Good to see you all this morning. Psalm 119, if you want to prepare and turn there. Uh, I love that song. It's probably one of my favorite hymns. Uh, I don't know if he's caught that in verse 3. Nothing else will matter. Do you believe that this morning? Uh, Once we get to that place in our lives where we understand that everything else really is... uh, doesn't mean anything. It's irrelevant. Uh, Are you living for Him? This morning we're going to talk about a zeal for the Word. It's very appropriate for that song. Psalm 119, and we're in the 18th stanza here, verses 137 through 144. And uh, the writer is uh, proclaiming that he's overcome by the desire for God's righteous Word. And uh, let's read uh, the whole section here, and then uh, really the, the key note is from 139. It says, My zeal hath consumed me, because mine, eye, or mine eyes have forgotten thy words. But let's begin in verse 137. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal hath consumed me, because mine eye or mine enemies have forgotten thy words. Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Thy righteousness is an over, everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. The righteousness of thy testimony Testimonies is everlasting, mine, or excuse me, give me understanding and I shall live. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for, uh, Lord, this, this hour, Lord, that we can meet together and uh, look into your word. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing. Uh, Father, we do uh, thank you, Lord, for this church body. I pray that you unite, unite us together. And Lord, I pray that your word would speak to each and every heart this morning. Lord, bless the Sunday school uh, classes throughout this facility. Be with the teachers, Lord, and I pray that we would each get something from your word this morning that would help us to be greater servants for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, excuse me if I stumble over myself. I'm trying contacts again. And uh, if you guys remember, I was trying monovision, so one helps you see in the distance and one up close, so you don't need readers. Uh, that didn't work for me, so I have readers. I have contacts so I can see beautiful Brother Petraco's bald head. And then I can see uh, the text. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so, but uh, thank the Lord for sight. And uh, so we're going to talk about a zeal for the word this morning. The word zeal, uh, often people, it carries the idea of envious and jealous. Uh, We may consider those things negative at times. Uh, However, it depends on the object of our desire. And so uh, Webster here defines it as passionate ardor, or heat is is ardor. I had to look that word up too. But isn't it funny when you look up a definition and you have to look up a word in the definition of the word you're trying to figure out? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. I'm not so learned. So I don't know why I'm... So anyway, Webster defines it passionate ardor in pursuit of anything. In general, zeal is an eagerness of desire to accomplish or to, or to obtain some object. 
uh, as it was manifested, or as it may be manifested either in favor of any person or thing, or in opposition to it, it could be. And so it could be a good or a bad cause. And so, uh, but zeal, and he says the zeal had consumed him. And I believe the psalmist here is talking about a zeal for the word of God. Uh, the psalmist has a desire or a burning to know and to do the word of God. And it's amidst those who have forgotten the word. Uh, those, verse 139, it says, My zeal hath consumed me because of mine enemies have forgotten thy words. And, and so there are those that knew the word of God, but have forgotten or forsaken uh, or dismissed it, if you will, or potentially they have dismissed it. Um, <clears throat> boy, do you see some parallels in the day that we live in? Uh, with those that have dismissed or forgotten the word of God. And, and when you think of how precious God's word is and, and there are those that have forgotten it. Um, we see that in our nation, uh, probably greater than any other nation in, in the world today, at least. Uh, a nation that once was founded on biblical principles. Uh, founded on the Bible. And if you were to look at our nation as a whole today, there would be really no, uh, you couldn't even recognize that that would be the case. Uh, because of how far we've gone and, and what we've forgotten. Uh, Listen, do we really believe that God's word is the answer uh, to the need of our nation, to the need of, uh, of sin, right? And, and if so, are we zealous to share the word? Are, are we zealous about those things? And so this morning, in verses 137, it says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy commandments. And so what was the basis for this zeal that the psalmist had? What was the basis for it? And he, he says there in verse 137, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and, thy up, and upright are thy judgments. God is always right. Did you know that? Do you believe that? Um, and listen, whether you believe it or not, it's true. Uh, God is always right. He's right in his character and he is right in his commands. Uh, <clears throat> Listen, that's one of the most basic lessons that we can learn from the Word of God. One of the most basic things, that the teaching of the God's Word uh, and, and that gives us a description of God's character, it's so, mo so basic, uh, but listen, I believe it's a lesson that many people have never learned. Uh, we oftentimes question God. Why is He doing this or why is He doing that? Uh, how come this is happening, God? If, if you're so righteous and you're so good, why does this take place? Uh, and God's word is always right. There is no room for compromise on this truth. You can't compromise on that. Once you begin to question the word of God, then really, what are we doing? Uh, that's the basis of what we do, uh, is God and his word. And so... Uh, do you believe that? And, and if so, why aren't you excited and in, in, uh, have a zeal and a burning to accomplish what he has for us? Uh, listen, I, that's a big deal. When, when you think about, we read the, the song that says nothing else matters. Uh, if nothing else matters, why do we invest so much in everything else and so little into the things of God? We come to church a couple hours a week. That's a small investment for what we supposedly say is the most important thing. 
Now, we understand that if, if you're uh, a Christian and, and you're trying to live according to the principles of God's word, you'll be reading your Bible and, and communing with the Lord throughout the week. And so it's not just, I'm not saying the only time you're connecting with God is at church, but really when you think about it, that's a small investment of what we say is the most important thing. Uh, 40 hours is the, the average or normal work week. I think today they're saying it's getting longer and longer, but, but if you take that 40 hours and then you say you're at church for, I mean, if you're a Sunday morning only person, you get an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes if the preacher gets a little long-winded, right? Start rolling your eyes. Yeah. 15 extra minutes for God, right? We get a little cranky about stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> but when you, listen, I'm being serious, and, and it's very simple. But if it's the most important thing, why do we get so frustrated about the littlest things that begin to interfere on our own personal Norms or desires. Boy, we are there until 12.15. Listen, God was doing work, hopefully. That's why the preacher is filled with the Spirit and really letting it rip. Right? And maybe you needed that extra 15 minutes because you just, the Holy Spirit had been working on you the first five minutes, but you didn't give in. And so you needed the extra, I don't know. But listen, God's always right. I get distracted here sometimes. Uh, listen, at, at times, God speaks to instruct us in his word. Um, when he does, he's always right. Uh, he gives instruction. And uh, listen, when we talk about the matter of the origin of the earth and the species and the human race and all that, uh, the Bible has always said that the world was a sphere and hung on nothing. But people believe the earth was flat. And there are flat earthers today. I mean, believe it or not, right? You can see a picture from the... the uh, the space station, and you go, oh, the earth is flat. You know, I don't know. You know, obviously, think there's a conspiracy. But listen, uh, Isaiah 40, 22, uh, it is he that sitteth on the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are the grasshoppers that stretcheth out uh, the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. Job 26, 7 says this, he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Listen, there are people that consume their lives with trying to understand everything in science. You'll not understand something that God created out of nothing. Right? Listen, God is right, and he has the answer. When they start digging into these things, they're like, well, this doesn't seem to make sense. Well, it's because God did something out of nothing. It was miraculous. Uh, do we believe this book? Uh, we say that we do, but sometimes we... We fall prey to uh, the sly talks of the, whatever the, the scientists are saying. I don't, you can use the term evolution if you want, whatever the case may be. Um, I actually looked up carbon dating one point because I was having a discussion. I was deployed in Iraq, and there was this guy there, and he, carbon dating, carbon, and I looked it up. And it's like, it's not accurate or credible at all, really, if you look at that stuff. And, and, uh, and so I said, listen, you need to go, your, your argument is this, go research that. I did a little, re and he came back and said, you know what, you're right. Listen, God created it out of nothing. It's not going to make sense to our human brains. Uh, but listen, that doesn't change the fact that God's right. He's righteous and his judgments are good. Uh, the psalmist says, uh, for centuries people believed that it was flat. Uh, but the Bible was right all along. We set sail and we're going to fall off the edge of this thing. Uh, God was right, whether they recognized it or not. Uh, today, the popular theory is that man uh, and the anthropoid apes have a common ancestor, right? Uh, that's not the case. 
The Bible says that God created man in his own image. Uh, we're different. We're not like that. And uh, regardless of what the depictions of the little map that they show, uh, you know, uh, they're wrong. God created us in his likeness. And it flatly contradicts the theory of evolution. Uh, listen, when, when there's an argument out there, and, and I know I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, if there's an argument out there and it's contrary to what the word of God says, the Bible is right. God is not wrong. He cannot lie. Uh, and and uh, we say that we believe that, but oftentimes we are so willing to cower down because maybe we're not educated enough. We don't have the right answers, the fancy lingo or words to defend that. Sometimes we just need to be confident in our faith uh, and, and just to be obedient to what God says in his word uh, and, and point them to the scriptures. Listen, you can't go wrong pointing somebody to the scriptures because you have the Holy Spirit on your side. They may not understand it all, but listen, that's planting the seed and God can do a miraculous work to bring that around. You don't have to win the argument. We always think we have to win the argument and convince them that we're right. Uh, no, just share the scriptures because you're not trying to convince them that, that you're right. You're trying to reach them for Christ. That's the bigger picture. It has nothing to do with whether they agree with creation or not. Uh, listen, uh, Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your interactions with people. Uh, today, the popular theory, <clears throat> excuse me, if God speaks to protect us, he, he does in hundreds of communications uh, that really, or commandments, hundreds of commandments in the Bible that cut across our sinful wants and wishes uh, as he tries to protect us. Uh, today, for instance, society permits and accepts all kinds of sexual perversion. Uh, it, no more than ever before in my life have I seen this in our society. We used to just talk about homosexuality. Uh, but it's far greater than that today. All kinds of perversion. Uh, they might call it an alternate lifestyle. and uh, God says it's wrong. Uh, it, it's that simple. And those who indulge in these practices will come under his severest displeasure. And eventually... Uh, condemnation and wrath if they're not forgiven. Leviticus 18.22, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind, says, is an abomination. Listen, I don't care what the world says. Uh, it's wrong. God says that it's wrong. God's always right. Now, uh, society may say what it will, but society is wrong. As I was preparing this and I was meditating on that thought, and I couldn't help but think throughout the years uh, that so many folks have been opposed rightly to sexual perversion. But they never did it in love. They always had a mean spirit, and they were always angry about that. And I challenge you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and read what God has to say about those things. And look at the attitude there, and it says, and, but, some, but so were some of you. And listen, the God that loved you still loves those individuals. And so it's not about being right. It's not about uh, uh, being on the right side of an argument. It's about loving them and accepting them that they might receive Christ. That's going to be the difference. And we can talk about the reprobate mind and all that stuff. That's not for us to decide. Our responsibility is to share Christ and to show the love of Christ to those individuals and try to reach them. 
that doesn't mean we agree and we accept everything. Uh, But listen this morning, do you love people? God is right and he's always right. But he's a God of love. And those people that we get in disagreement about on whatever issue, Christ died for. So who are we to try to cast some type of judgment or, or some type of uh, condemning attitude or, or be angry at those individuals that God died for? We ought to be more concerned about living a life that will be a testimony that would reach them for Christ and sharing the gospel with them and allowing God to change them because he's the only one that can. You can sit there and scream and holler and argue until you're blue in the face. They need God to change them. You're not going to do it. So share the love of Christ with these people. I love being on the right side. You know, Cindy and I get going at it, right? And finally she concedes, you know what, you're right. Everybody likes to be right. But we need to have the right attitude about it. Our God loves people. Do you believe it? Or are you the person that is mean-spirited at individuals because they don't line up with your viewpoints and your ideas? And you won't even really reach out to try to share the gospel with them because there's something, there's a barrier there that you just can't get over. How ridiculous is that? Christ died for them. We're in no position to do anything different but love them. God challenges us. Uh, with the need for, of the world. To reject the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary for our sins means that we will suffer an eternity in the lake of fire. We understand anyone that rejects Christ is in, in danger of hellfire. And there's one way to the Father, and that is through His Son. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. John 14, 6 says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Regardless of whether people like to hear it, or even if they choose not to believe it, it's still right. It's still the only way. And I challenge you to, because I've been guilty of it in the past. You get in this discussion, it's just, I feel like I'm just trying to convince them of what's true and right when I should have been trying to convince them that they need a Savior. Because there's only one way. Uh, They must be born again, and and they have to get in through Christ. And so I challenge you to be zealous for God's Word because God's character is right. Do you have a burning to do God's Word? Are you zealous? Are you on fire for the things of God? Or are you on fire to battle the issues of society? Listen, we need to be on the right side of the argument. And the right side is just simply to love them and share Christ with them. So he was zealous because of the Lord's character. And he's zealous because of the Lord's commandments. Look at verse 138. It says, Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Is impossible for God ever to lead us astray. 
he's not going to ask us to do anything wrong because he's righteous. His word is righteous and faithful. Uh, it won't let us down. Uh, his commandments are righteous and very faithful. <clears throat> it used to be that somebody's word meant something. You know, you could say, I'm going to be there at this time, or I'm going to pay this debt, or uh, I'm going to do such and such. Whatever the case may be, and, and maybe you shook hands. Maybe if you were an adolescent, you spit in your hand and then shook their hand, really to solidify that word. Uh, the things that we say used to mean something. But today, we, we sign documents in triplicate form and to ensure honesty, and we're going to keep our word, and, and even that doesn't work. People don't keep their word. People let us down. People blatantly lie, uh, mislead, and misdirect us. Uh, but you don't have to worry about that with God. He is faithful, and so is His Word. It says, Thy testimonies that Thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Very faithful. Titus 1, 2, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. The psalmist could have some zeal about things because he understood the God that he served and, and the, the word of God was faithful and it was right. Now, like I said, we always like to be on the right side of things. Uh, I love being right. It's very pleasant. It's miserable when you're not, right? And so listen, if you align your life with God's word, you're guaranteed to be right. Now, you don't have to go around gloating about it and being a jerk. But you can know that I'm living right. I'm conducting my life in such a way uh, that is God-honoring, and it's the right thing to do, regardless of those that oppose, regardless of what things that we face. It's the right thing to do. Uh, in the Air Force, we call it integrity first. Right? We Do the right thing. Live the Word of God. And you can't go wrong. It's righteous and it's faithful. Uh, it won't let us down. And, and uh, so he has this nature of zeal. In verse 139, my zeal hath consumed me. Look what it says. Because mine enemies have forgotten thy words. The psalmist sets his devotion to the scriptures in contrast with his enemies, uh, the forgetful uh, <clears throat> and their forgetfulness of God and his word. And I think you remember last week we talked about Joseph and and those things, but Joseph's goodness shines all the more brightly in, in that account of his life as we read it in the book of Genesis uh, against the background of his brother's sin. Right? It, it's such a contrast. And so the psalmist, we see that similar thing here. And uh, zeal's consumed him because of the enemies have forgotten thy word. Excuse me. It was not so much here that uh, what they were doing to him. Uh, that causes the psalmist to cry out, it was what they were doing to the Lord that upset him. He wasn't concerned about what they were doing. He was concerned about their forgetfulness of God's word. And uh, what a tragedy that is. That's what caused him to be zealous, to catch fire, and what made him to cry out here in the psalm. Uh, it is evident from this that his enemies were people who had once known God's word, but had forgotten it. Uh, what a tragedy. Uh, it is better to have never known God's word right. than having known it to set it aside. 
Of course, that is what multitudes are doing today. And I can't help but especially think in our nation. Um, when you think of the age of some of our politicians, our representatives, uh, they grew up in a much different time than people today. And when we talk about what America used to be like, some of those folks know. They're older. They've been around back when the nation was in a better place. Um, there are some old codgers in our in our. Uh, government these days. I was surprised at the age of some of these folks. You know, there's people 80 years old serving. I mean, goodness, that's twice my age. Anyway, before I start offending folks, I'll move on here. But uh, listen, what a, what, a, what a horrible thing. They'll be held accountable. Multitudes are doing it today. Brought up in Christian's home, taught the word of God, and uh, really since childhood, but now they're living in total disregard to God and his word. I've seen it in from friends that I grew up with, Christian school. Not even in church today. Uh, what a tragedy. And the, and the psalmist is burning hot and, and zealous because of, it, because of it. And the psalmist says in verse 140 um, that he loved the word of God. The word is very pure, or thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. That word very there is, is, has the idea of being refined or holy or exceedingly pure. And uh, what a great thing to know that God's word is pure and the servant loves it because of that. Uh, I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. He may not have been a, a powerful or commanding individual, but he expresses his love for God and his word. Although he is small and despised by others, at least he has enough sense to know the truth and to love it. I'm of small stature, I would say. And uh, as my boys continue to grow, I'm reminded of that every day at the dinner table. And uh, I don't have to have any confidence in my stature or anything. Look what it says. I am small and despised, yet do not I forget thy precepts. Listen, the most important thing is to have the right thing. Amen. The Word of God. If you're familiar with the Scriptures, you'll know there was an old wise man in a city that saved the city. It wasn't the strong men. It wasn't the warriors. It was because of wisdom that saved that city. Uh, we don't need brute strength to get through this life, as some might think. We just need God's Word Amen. and the wisdom of God's Word. And uh, uh, listen, there's some benefits to the zeal that the psalmist has here. As we move on in verse 142, it says, uh, The truth is forever. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. And thy law is the truth. Uh, God's right and he will always be right. It's an everlasting righteousness. Uh, there may be some who are right for a time. We see that politically, right? Some politicians that change their party or change their principles at a whim almost, it seems like. Uh, maybe they were on the right side of things at one point. Uh, people can be right for a time, but God's righteousness is everlasting. And I think we've talked about this in the, in the weeks prior, but listen, he's unchanging. His word doesn't change. And, and it, it's a great thing to know that we have something that we can cling to 
that doesn't change that's eternal. Uh, things change too much for my liking. I'm thankful for God and His Word that does it. It's solid. It's rock steady. We don't have to worry about anything that's, that's wavering or changing. We just turn to God's Word and, and we can find stability. <clears throat> the truth is identified in the New Testament as none other than Christ Himself. He's eternal. The truth is eternal. To love the truth and follow His righteousness is not like following the latest fad uh, that we see today or, and it's gone tomorrow. Uh, the truth is forever. Our God doesn't change. Uh, it's everlasting. Uh, God's commandments are a delight. Do you find that true in your life? Uh, trouble and anguish, verse 143, have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delights. Certainly we know the psalmist has seen trouble. He's troubled when he sees others reject God's word. But for him personally, God's word is his delight. 1 John 5.3 says this, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. They're not grievous. Jesus said this, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This really is in contrast to religion. Uh, let me remind you of Matthew 23.4. It says, For they bind heavy burdens, and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, right? Those scribes and Pharisees that we often hear about, right? Verse 143 again, yet thy commandments are my delights. In the word of God, the commandments we find comfort, safety, and ultimately delight. If you live the word of God at all in your life, you can find that to be true. And where else can we go but to delight? As we experience how God's Word guides and directs us and keeps us safe, we can delight in how it conforms us to Christ and protects us from the trouble in the midst of trouble. You can, there could be turmoil all around. Yet you have peace and contentment because you have God's Word. Because you have Christ. In the midst of trouble. Is God's word your delight this morning? Are you delighting in the commandments? Which is, is really, it sounds contradictory. Usually when it, a command is given, oftentimes it's met with resistance and it's not necessarily what we want. But God's commandments aren't like that because we understand that he's doing it for our good. He's protecting us from trouble. He's protecting us from uh, ailments even in some of his commandments. God's commandments are there for our good. And when you understand that, it becomes much easier to delight. Because you know that if I follow God's direction according to His Word, it's for my good. How can you not delight in that? Whether you understand the beginning from the end, uh, and the end state that God has for you, but if you just trust that God has your end in mind, and He'll take care of you, uh, what a blessed thought. You can delight in that. Uh, the Word of God brings life. Verse 144, as we uh, prepare to close out, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. <clears throat> the psalmist tells us that an understanding of the Word will bring life. Of all the printed volumes of books in this world, the Bible is the only one which offers everlasting hope. 
Uh, the idea here, I shall live, uh, really means to nourish up, to preserve, to quicken, uh, to recover, to restore, to revive, to be whole. The psalmist understood that it was only through living a life ordered by God's word that we truly can live. There's so many folks that, that think, oh boy, all these commandments. I just want to live my life how I want to live it. The reality is they're in bondage. Bondage to sin and those things. And, but if we order our lives according to God's word, we really truly find life. John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. If we would order our lives according to God's word, we would have a much more abundant life. We might not have all the fancy things, but the life that we enjoy will be abundant. You don't have to have the fanciest things to have an abundant life. Uh, when you understand, I mean, we opened with the song, does any of this else, other stuff matter? But if we're not careful, we will allow our flesh to determine how we conduct ourselves rather than the Word of God. Uh, and our flesh will lead us astray every time. May we fall in love with the righteous Word and truly discover what it means to live life. Are you zealous for the things of God? Where is our zeal? Uh, remember the Lord told the church at Laodicea that He would rather they were hot or cold but not lukewarm. Zeal, the idea of having a burning or a fire. Uh, are you zealous for the Lord? Are you on fire for the things of God this morning? Do you desire God's word? And I submit to you this morning, if you don't, maybe there's something between you and the Savior. Maybe there's something that's hindering you to delight in the things of God and God's word. And, and I encourage you to deal with that today. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you just give us a burning desire to be obedient to the things of God's word. And Lord, that you just help us to live our lives ordered by the word of God. And Lord, we'll just trust you, Lord, to give us that abundant life. And Lord, we know that you're faithful and that you're right and you will never let us down. Help us, Lord, to have the faith to live according to how you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen.